0: Welcome to Solution Focused Possibilities Podcast. We want to help you have more productive conversations in whatever area of work or life you find yourselves in. What better way to do that than to invite you into our own conversations as we discuss our solution focused practice, our different experiences and findings? We hope you find this helpful, useful, and inspiring. Welcome to our podcast. So hello everyone, welcome to our first ever episode of our podcast. Uh, So I'm Jamie and we've got Ben, Greg and Bieber here and we'll do some proper introductions in a sec. Um, And when I say they're here with me, we're not actually together. I guess like most people at the moment, uh, we're trying to figure out how to do this kind of stuff in different parts of the country. So where are you guys at the moment? London. London. Bedfordshire for me leafy bedfordshire bedfordshire sunny essex and essex so not only is this our first ever podcast but we're also battling with the joys of internet connections and technology so we've had a good 20 minutes already trying to figure out how to get this to work so uh wish us luck so there may be people listening to this who know a bit about us but there's likely there are people who have never heard of us before and are just interested in the solution focused approach uh, so before we get on to talk about uh, the approach or about us as an organization, I wonder whether it's worth just having a quick introduction to us all individually. So Biba, I'm looking at you. Okay. Start. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so hello, everyone. Um, I like to uh, joke around that I'm an, a European from the UK. So I'm originally from Slovenia, moved over to the UK about two years ago, and um, I am I, have been described as having a bubbly personality (laughs) often. So um, I tend to not take life too seriously because what we do in life is serious business, especially in our line of work. So I used to work as a disability coordinator for the university, uh, which was my gate to the solution-focused approach, which um, has changed my life.
0: Which we will definitely need to talk about in a minute. Um, So yeah, thanks Biba. Go on, Ben. Over to you. Great.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I am a UK person from the UK, and I guess as opposed to Beaver, um, I I do tend to take life probably more seriously, and um, strangely, that's that's what's brought me here, I guess, because um, you know I think this is what we're doing with the solution focused stuff is is serious work, and uh, it makes considerable. Uh, differences to people's lives so that's why I'm here that's that's what I'm excited about
3: cool um yeah so I'm Greg I am originally from the states so another non-UK but now UK person um originally from St. Louis Missouri and I've been in the UK now I don't know how long has it been it'll be 14 I think 14 years this summer um so yeah so it's, it's I'm not going anywhere anytime soon I don't think um, trained as a social worker originally, and that's gotten me into to SF in terms of using SF with families in the social work setting and excited to do more and more with it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So um, I'm just going to balance out the international thing by saying that I'm a boring <laughs> Brit uh, from Bedfordshire. And my background is I worked for a bereavement and mental health service uh, for about seven or eight years. As a clinician um, until I left about two years ago to create my videography business, which I know is a bit of a random change, but I guess we could talk about that another time um, and that's really my role within sFP is to create content for other people to see uh, and that includes all the training resources that we're doing and things but we can talk about that later on. I guess people may be wondering how people from across the world how they ended up creating. An organization like SFP. what's the story behind that how, how did that happen
1: i think it was like most things in life it happened unplanned but very welcomed so all three of us we are about the same age so the same generation and we found ourselves in places in our careers where we wanted to take it on another level but i somehow... say greg
0: greg seems to be disputing the age thing
3: well, you know, there, there are <laughs> some in the group that are younger than, than others, <laughs> and it makes me feel old.
1: <laughs> I was going to compliment you.
3: <laughs> but ben, is, ben, is ben. are you the youngest or Jamie, are you the youngest? I think I might That's be. That's a good question. I
0: Jamie, you the youngest. The, are we the same age? But no, I think I might be slightly younger than you. Yeah, I think Jamie wins that. There we, we go. give him a contest. I'll bring the age down.
1: All right, undo this, then. <laughs> <laughs>
2: carry, carry on. That's you good. go, Greg, then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so all three of us have found each other at a conference, connected, and discovered that we share the same passion, the same principles of work, and we thought, hmm, how about we joined forces and created something together because uh, it makes it more fun. We could go further along the line, and we became really good friends and colleagues.
3: And at, at that same conference, Ben did um, hustle me at a few games of pool mm. as well. I yeah. just want, yeah. to, want to point that out. So if you ever play pool with Ben, just watch out. Yeah.
2: Was, I, I just remember there being, always being sort of drink involved as well. So whenever <laughs> um, solution-focused possibilities was being discussed, it was usually in a bar or a pub. Um, and I was trying to twist someone's arm into uh, into getting involved um so yeah there was definitely some hustling involved but we got there in the end i mean yeah. bieber and i were training together at um briefs diploma in london and uh, and greg being of the the older generation uh, was actually there <laughs> um, was actually there <laughs> teaching as a guest lecturer teaching us one day um and yeah, we, we sort of continued for me and Bieber it was actually at a summer camp um in Slovenia, uh an EBTA uh, European Brief Therapy Association summer camp, um where we just really um just went out there on on a whim, on a hunch that this could be a sort of fun adventure. Um and we spent was it a week, Bieber? Was it yeah, a week with solution focused practitioners from, you know, all over the globe really. Um, and some very experienced ones as well Uh, and there was just this moment where Bieber and I sort of caught each other's eye across the the room and thought we're the only ones who um, you know have this particular understanding of solution focus yeah we were we were hearing all of these other people from around the world discuss um, solution focus and um, it didn't we you know we weren't able to recognize it at all what from what they were saying it was completely alien and different from what we had learned what we had been taught and, and the journey that we've been on um so we just had this moment where we realized uh the teaching we'd uh, had the sort of privilege of of getting and going through together was something that was unique and that actually wasn't that common um, across the sort of broader solution focused community um, For me, the big thing, if I reflect back on it, was most people in the room were still working from this position of um, the absence of a problem. So they were talking with clients about what their lives would be like if their problem disappeared. Whereas Bieber and I were coming from the position of, well, what would their lives be like if what they hoped for was present? So it was about the presence of someone's hopes rather than the absence of their problem. And that actually leads to quite different conversations, and it was a mm. real um, revelation to the rest of the group. I remember we sort of pitched it to them of, you know, how about we try this out? How about we just test it? You know, have conversations with people about the absence of a problem, and then have a conversation with them about a presence of a hope, and let's just see what the difference is. Mm. Um, and, I th- and I think by the end of the week, Bieber and I had, had convinced half the group <laughs> Probably mostly the younger ones that, um, you know, maybe this there was another way of doing things. Uh, and I think that's when we started to get excited about sort of working
0: together. Yeah, well, that actually brings us on really nicely to solution focused in itself. You said it's a, uh, a new way of doing things. I guess this could do with the whole episode in itself at some point. But how would you go about, um, in a nutshell, describing what this approach is? Because, I mean, you guys obviously love it very much, but what is it?
1: I can give you a really clear example uh, based on my personal experience before I found out about it. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I was working at a university and I was seeing students one-on-one. Mainly there were students with disabilities, but not only, also students who had mental health challenges and such. And I was trained um, in different theories about learning disabilities, about the impact of various mental health conditions on learning and such. So I I sort of had an understanding of what was going on. So when we we talked together with students, I could provide some comprehensive overview, what was going on and why. And I felt really clever doing that, but not satisfied because um, it didn't seem to be always helpful so sometimes students would agree um, and that was in some ways OK, because we were on the same page, but it still didn't help us about what to, what can we do about it and how to proceed. And sometimes students would, would disagree it would say, no, that sort of thing is not happening for me. And then we'll both get upset and cross with each other. Um, so it, it wasn't really fruitful, but I didn't know any better because I thought that that was the most helpful thing to do. And uh, I was craving for something different, but didn't know what. And then, accidentally discovering solution focus when I first went to the UK in 2014, as part of my research, was that in order to find a solution that would work for a certain person in certain situations, regardless of how severe it was, you don't really need to understand what's brought them there. And to me, that was a huge massive revelation and also a bit of uh, skepticism along it because it just sounded too unreal too simple if you wish um mm-hmm. but it was enough to get my interest going so i uh looked more into it and it was really um, straightforward it had the tools to um, help me have conversation with my students and when i tried it and i wasn't uh, trained back then at all. So I just started and started basically experimenting with the questions that I've learned at brief with my students and the effects were extraordinary. I I can't um, describe it, what massive difference it made. So they were coming up with solutions for themselves. They were moving forward. And all my, say, (laughs) um, knowledge was sort of buried because it was not (laughs) needed.
0: Was that you said about skepticism um which I mean to be that does sound like a very very different approach yeah um if you're not focusing on the the problem and you perhaps you don't even need to know what the issue is, what is it that you are focusing on then
1: so it'd be focused on what is it that the student wants, and sometimes it would be something that you wouldn't even expect, so sometimes you would you might assume that the students want to Uh, pass their exams or that they want to do better in their studies but sometimes it's actually that they want to feel more confident or they want to have greater sense of belonging and you can never know if you don't ask so um, and it's weird because say that you're working with their confidence and then as a side effect or as a consequence their learning improves and their academic success improves and that's odd because it goes against many of the theories about what you should be focusing on and how you should be structuring, I don't know, goals and plans so that the students um, proceed.
0: So that, that does sound really different to at least some of the approaches that I was trained in and I imagine a lot of people uh, are trained in. Or at least just naturally think that the problem is the thing you need to focus on. Um, is this something then that you can work alongside other approaches or do you have to just scrap everything else?
3: That's a that's a very Yeah. That's a very contentious question, I think, at at various times. Okay. Um I think for me I always go back to those sort of foundational assumptions that are within the approach. And I, and again, this is just for my my style of practice, I have not found a way to kind of marry the, the, the two up with other, well, marry the assumptions up with another approach. Or, well, with many other approaches, I suppose, because a lot of it is, there's a lot of trust involved with the person you're talking to. We're not coming in with that knowledge to say, we know better. We're, we're simply asking questions to to invite description around what they hope for and what that might look like and what they're already doing that's that's working so i think when you have those assumptions that that person you're speaking with is the expert on their own life as opposed to me having a a different point of view about what we need to talk about or that sort of thing i i struggle to to marry those different ways of working up so i from my standpoint i i find it's best and most effective when it's used on its own and but i know other people are able to or mix some of the questions, but I don't know if that's in the most useful way, or if that can be confusing at times for people. Okay. Don't know what others have, have think about that.
2: <laughs> I I would say I'm not um, I'm not clever enough to mix approaches, <laughs> and um, you know I I always say to people one of the um, biggest strengths of the solution focused approach. Um, is it simplicity. Um, it's, it's hard to stick to, it's hard to persevere at, and it takes a lot to hone your practice. Um, but the concept is a simple one, and I actually think that's a real strength of the approach, um, both because the, the sort of client, the person you're working with, can actually wrap their head around and understand you know, the, the purpose and the intentions behind your questions, um, to the point where they can actually start asking the questions of themselves, um, and I also just like the fact that um, you know lots of people can pick up and use this approach, um, and you don't have to train for seven years um, mm-hmm. to start being able to use it, but you know you can get a good good grip and start practicing fairly quickly, uh, and I love that about the approach. Um, I'm similar to Greg. Um, I haven't really found a way. Uh, of merging approaches that is particularly effective. Um, You know, I I think it takes a lot for people to be, uh, you know, to to really effectively use multiple approaches at once. Um, And I think when I've tried to do it, certainly, um, just the quality, if I try and merge two or three approaches, I'd say the sort of overall quality of all of them starts to dip. Mm. Uh, and I'm actually most effective if I just focus on one uh, and yeah. do that to, to the very best of my abilities.
0: Um, yeah, and what I find interesting, so I've, I've been working with you guys for quite a while now, and um, one of the things I'm picking up on is, is that it's not only a really effective approach for the people you're working with, but it seems to have quite an impact, positively so, for the actual practitioner, is that something you've noticed in yourself? A change in since you've been using this approach, have you noticed changes in how you are, as well as a client?
1: Well, I remember, you know, from having experiences of working pre-SF and post-SF. How often pre-SF I was carrying on students' stories on my shoulders and trying to figure out for them what I should do in order to help them. Hmm. So trying to be helpful can be sometimes a real burden for the practitioner because that you then you'll think that you need to be the one coming up with a solution for the client and when it doesn't work it's your fault or the clients' fault. Um so the difference that it's made is it's just so light because I all I need to do is come up with questions that could that will hopefully produce some answers that the client can do something with. So yeah, is it
3: not- is yeah go on Greg. No, sorry. I was just gonna say it's a similar sort of experience, really. I think working with teenagers leaving the care system, and feeling like I need to get them to do this or get them to sign up for that, or you know, I need to get them a certain resources in place that aren't out there and don't exist or don't have enough funding. When, actually, if, if I would have had, SF, as Biba said, it's kind of that that letting go of that that burden. Obviously, if I know of something that's out there, I'd still put it out there as an offer to say this might be useful for you. If they're not aware of it, but being able to ask those questions is totally different because I don't need to to have the answers. I can I can trust them to make their own decisions and do their own thinking based on on the conversation we're having. Which, is, well, for me, especially with teenagers, is something that they're going to do anyway. They're going to make their own minds up no matter what you you say and do with them. So yeah, if you can have a more useful conversation that lets them think and take some ownership of of what they want to do rather than try and tell them what they should be doing then yeah it's a for me it's a massive impact and massive difference so is it fair for
0: me to say that this is an easy approach or is that the wrong word it's simple and easy different
3: definitely different i would say as ben kind of alluded to i think it takes a lot of discipline to to stick to it and then keep asking questions to around description Um, it sounds simple when we we explain it um but yeah definitely not not easy but definitely I would say enjoyable I think that's one of the things I enjoy most about it is that that idea of every conversation being different and having to force myself to really focus and think in the moment about what question can I ask next that could hopefully be useful to this person yeah so perhaps it's quite it's quite intense
0: in in the moment but is it that same kind of balance with the fact that you're not taking things away in the same way a lot it sounds like quite hard work in the actual session
3: perhaps yeah not not as difficult afterwards yeah hopefully not because you i suppose you share more in their their hopes and their their ambitions and their you know their strengths and resources and things that they're capable of doing so someone might come to you with that view of of, i've got a problem and actually by the time you're done talking with them they're they're telling you about why they're going to be able to work towards their hopes and why they're going to be able to, you know, achieve the things they they want to achieve, and that it, when you finish a conversation on that note, it's far different than taking away that that worry and that weight of well, what am I going to do next? Mm. Yeah. Is that similar experience for you, Ben?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it takes. I think the approach takes discipline because um, we as professionals have been sort of hardwired to to ask about difficulties and causes and try and understand what's going wrong for people um, so we as professionals have to get over that and get into this new mindset of um, you know asking questions that invite description of hopeful futures that's basically what we're doing um, what Evan George once described to me is we're, we're creating a home for possibilities it's a very different way of working uh, and I also think it takes discipline because you know clients, the people we're working with, typically come to uh, a session or come and seek help expecting to be asked about their problems. Yeah. So actually to be asked about their hopes is um, you know, quite a shock to the system. So I think that's why it takes discipline because it's unusual, basically. It's simple, but it's very unusual. And so we have to really stick and persevere in it. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think it makes a difference but, you know, we talk about the difference it makes after working with people and the load-lightening. I also think it makes a difference before we work with people. I think people have, like, there's a gut feeling of... And, and some professionals will be honest enough to say, actually, with certain individuals, they have a gut feeling of dread before <laughs> they start working with them. You know, it's like, oh, that person again. And, oh, they you know, they've been referred to the uh, programme or come through the system multiple times already and, uh, you know, just gosh how am I going to get through this so I think one of the biggest differences that solution focus makes is the feeling you have before going into a session where actually the sort of dread is replaced by excitement mm. um, I remember one person that I was supervising recently um, you know, a big beam on her face saying I'm getting goosebumps she said I'm getting goosebumps before I work with clients now because I'm so excited about what they're going to tell me um, and that's because of those foundational assumptions that you know everybody's capable of change and everyone's doing the best they can, and because we know that we're going to be having this conversation that explores hopeful futures uh, and elicits sort of resources that people already have for making those hopeful futures happen.
0: Yeah, I I, I really wish that I'd known more about this approach back when I was uh, work, working as a clinician. Uh, I I remember that feeling of of stress and of dread almost really not looking forward to going to work with some people because you uh, had this pressure to sort their problems out Um, and that often led to a lot of people feeling really stressed out Um, and I've heard stories and I've I've known people who really struggled with burnout and long term is that the kind of stories that you hear of as well and and are those issues kind of relieved within the solution focused approach would you say
1: well, if you look at the current situation that the whole world is in there's a lot of anxiety fear insecurity violence grief all of that and it's hard to focus your mind and thoughts onto what is still in place and what is still working so that's what the guys have said it takes discipline to stay focused on what is it that is that and yeah, we, do, we yeah. do hear a lot about burnout among practitioners, uh, partly probably because of the weight that they're carrying or who knows what. Um, but the work that we do is certainly not easy. The cases that we hear mm-hmm. are not simple. They're very complex. And our profession has this connotation of, um, I suppose, where the whole world is going, be more and more complex. So what we do is actually, I think, quite an ethical stance in how we work with people because we literally and honestly believe that they should be giving the ownership of their lives back. So it's not, I don't know, beauty industry, media, science, telling them how they should be living their lives. Like, who are we to be telling people how they should be living we don't know what's going on in their lives so it has to do with ethics as well as I, I suppose i was gonna
3: say i think adding on to that idea of um of burnout and things like that i think we hear people talk about the stress and the pressures that they're under and everybody's under tremendous stress and as ben said you know people are doing the best that they can in in the situations that that they have i think we notice that that switch that change though for people in terms of, of burnout and how they're feeling about things I think the more they learn about the solution focused approach and the more they use it in their work, because as as we were talking about earlier, I think people say like as Ben said, you know people get goosebumps, they get more excited about the work rather than feeling overwhelmed by it, and yeah. it's that idea of just I think that helps people keep going with it as opposed to feeling the weight of, of that pressure it just changes changes their outlook on the world really,
0: yeah, which a lot of people can relate to that kind of feeling of stress and burnout and pressure. Um, so is solution focused approach uh, suitable for anyone who's feeling like that like who is solution focused primarily for is it just for uh, people that are working directly in kind of clinical roles Um, or do you see this being used wider than than that who who would you kind of say is the audience for this
3: approach i suppose i mean it's I'm terrible with this because I say it can be used for anybody and everybody that wants to see some change happening in their lives. So that could be business, I know Bieber's done work um, with national governments um, and corporations, youth work. I mean, I've seen it in social care settings, I've seen it with, you know, teenagers, young people, couples, families, like, it can be, you know, community-based stuff, it could be anybody. And everybody. I mean, we use it on e- on each other as well to to practice and and you know do supervision with each other and things like that. So yeah, I don't. I have yet to see somewhere where it, it's not applicable. I don't know what anybody else thinks about that's that.
1: Clara.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, that's that's for anyone who doesn't know. That's a reference um of me practicing solution focused questions on my girlfriend at any and every possibility um, or opportunity which makes her very irritated but there you go um yeah i mean i i love the um i love the way that it can be used in informal contexts as well so i absolutely agree with greg that it can be used with all sorts of organizations um all sorts of teams as well as individuals and families. Um, and as well as that, I, I do love that sort of informal uh, ability that it has, so I think one of the reasons for that is the assumption that you know small changes can lead to big ones. Um, so one of the areas that I work in is uh, in the voluntary sector with uh, sexually exploited women and often will just be in a drop, drop-out space or a drop-in space. So it won't be anything formal, but it will just be a safe space where people can come and get, you know, a hot meal and, um, you know, wash their clothes, pick up some uh, bits and pieces, and people will just hang around, um, grab, grab a hot drink, and and just try and relax for an hour or so. And in those moments, you just have informal conversations with people. They're not, you know, counselling sessions. And for example, I remember speaking to someone about um, how they were looking after their neighbour's cat. Okay, and this is this is a woman who's going through some horrendous stuff. You know, is being controlled by uh, a very unpleasant pimp. Um, is you know ex- has experienced homelessness and uh, drug use and various other things. And here we are having a chat about how she's looking after a neighbour's cat. Um, and she still looks back and tells me. Uh, that that was one of the light bulb moments for her on her journey of sort of you know overcoming some of these obstacles it was just chatting in an informal way about all the things and all the resources that she was utilizing to be able to care for and look after this cat even amongst all the chaos that was surrounding her mm. and so I love the potential for using this in informal settings. Uh, we've spoken before about how we'd love to train uh, barbers and hairdressers uh, how we'd love to train sort of taxi drivers uh, because we just think it has so much potential for those kind of 5, 10, 20 minute informal conversations
0: yeah and you just mentioned training Ben which I think is a nice way to move into what we actually do Um, training obviously being a big part of that so the coronavirus at the moment is obviously having its impact on the type of things that we would normally do but if we've kind of forgot about that for a moment uh, what does it normally look like what does solution focused possibilities look like practically
1: so ben has mentioned that um, it doesn't take years of training in order to learn about this approach and learn how to use it of course it takes a lifetime mastering it but that's another story Uh, so it is indeed simple to sort of grasp the basic ideas. And many of the people that we've trained have already been solution focused in their mindset. So they have already been seeing their people that they're working with as capable uh, of changing and achieving what they want. Um, So we want to, we definitely want to see more people uh, using this approach in whatever setting what the guys have described, because it's, it's in a way Uh, deep professionalizing professions so it's taking the crown off the practitioners heads and um, in terms of hierarchy between us and our clients it means a more equal way of working together and um, since all of us remember our lives before we learned about this and we see the difference now we certainly do want to spread the word and train more people in it because it doesn't take many years it doesn't take many efforts but it can make a huge difference
0: yeah so what kind of stuff then is on offer we've got lots of different things that people can have access to do
3: you want to give a bit of an overview of of some of those things we've got a mix of things um, going on at the moment so we've got some pre-recorded online training some essential training that's that's been pre-recorded um, kind of foundational stuff so that people can really get get their teeth into things be reminded of those things that take them back to kind of yeah th- those those things to build on in their practice Um, we've got some advanced ones coming as well some things to kind of push people a bit beyond potentially a, a traditional script as such because i think we find in, in training we've got to start somewhere in terms of how to teach it and often that comes in a the shape of what some people perceive as like a linear script and i think we all know once we start having these conversations it never works that that way it's never as straightforward as that all the time and um, so focusing more on how we can just be able to, to have conversations that feel like natural conversations more than anything else that still are, are useful and um, so that's coming soon and um, we've got some stuff going on as well all, all online so try and have a mix of things for people so that we've got some free short kind of hour catch-ups going on around people managing the coronavirus um some shorter workshops on things like texting and, and things like that. SF through texting. Um yeah, and lots lots more to come.
0: Yeah, and, and like I said earlier on, the uh coronavirus has obviously changed things a bit for the way that we're offering training. We're doing a lot of online stuff at the moment, like you said. Uh but that's not always gonna be the case and it hasn't been the case previously. Do you wanna Talk a bit about some of those things, Ben.
2: Yeah, we've been delivering. Um, we've been delivering a number of sort of masterclasses, which um, take place over over two or three days. Um, they're they're pretty intense, two or three days, and they're packed full of of, of practice, and they're packed full of um, you know videos of real sessions. You know, one of the uh, bits of feedback that we commonly get from trainees is that they love seeing. Uh, this approach put into practice and they love to see us actually delivering sessions with real clients, um, you know, it just moves it away. We're not just talking about it, you know, they can see that it's real and we're actually doing it. It's actually having uh, results uh, and affects um, people's lives. Um, it's worth, it's worth adding and saying that that is part of the, the online essential training package as well. We have two, um, you know, wonderful uh, clients who agreed to allow us to share sessions online so that is part of that package you can watch the two sessions in full uh, alongside commentary so yeah so we, as greg says we're training in all sorts of ways uh, and we love it we absolutely love training people because we know what a difference it can make uh, it's great fun we always have fun doing it and yeah we it's packed full of practice packed full of videos um yeah and, and we just love doing more it's and more also of it.
1: worth mentioning that the three of us are quite um different in terms of our styles, our personalities, our um, way of doing practice. And that could be potential benefits to the learners because they can see the same approach being applied differently. So we do share common uh, values and we do share um, how we want this approach to develop. And this togetherness um, allows us to experiment with each other, watch each other's work and celebrate our diversity and our participants have always appreciated that greatly uh, because it's like Ben said, it's fun uh, and on the other hand, it can be truly inspiring because somebody might think that the way how I do it is completely not their cup of tea. But when they see Greg doing it, they can relate to that and that could be really empowering. So you Mm. don't have to, there is no one right way of doing it.
0: Yeah absolutely and and i think within the, the kind of training world especially with you know my experiences often it's uh can feel quite stiff and starchy and a little bit dull but i mean i've been to some of the training stuff to to film and it is is a very different kind of vibe uh it feels fun and informal yeah you know um, but <laughs> you can see the difference it makes as well it's not just i was just about. gonna say
1: all of us have been through formal training uh and academic learning and uh, as much as it's needed sometimes we don't want to structure our trainings like that we want to keep it interactive uh, practical so the video content that we are making thanks to you Jamie is engaging in the sense that we want to do um, to provide quality instead of quantity so what you'll get in our trainings if you sign up is really condensed um, succinct version of very clean and nicely made videos That will keep you engaged and entertained and as well skillful in the end
3: i think mixing in that that element of fun because think we all we we like to show that we're human as well Mm. because we'll do you know we do things like live demonstrations and things like that in the trainings and generally when things happen and we think i shouldn't have asked that question (laughs) like we, we can all have a laugh about it because we all know that we've all done it before or we will do it again at some point we're the question comes out and all of a sudden you think oh why did i even ask that um but yeah i think it's just that idea of putting people into it because we can talk about the ins and outs of it but until you start doing it the more comfortable you feel doing it then the easier it'll be when you go out there and and start using it yeah so i've uh
0: i alluded to the i mentioned the coronavirus um we can't pretend that's not going on at the moment that's impacting a lot of people um, have you got any thoughts or any resources or anything like that at the moment that people could perhaps look at who are uh, noticing some stress around the coronavirus, how, how to do their work whilst all this is going on?
2: Yeah, we've got a, a free resource available at the moment around COVID-19, uh, which goes through some thoughts around that and some, and some questions that people can potentially um, ask of each other. To, to help them through coping and managing that. Uh, we're also in the process of developing a variation on that sort of free handout, which is more about um, moving beyond the lockdown and what are the um, what are the, we, we called them glimmers of good the other day. What are the glimmers of good that you've noticed during the lockdown that actually you want to keep, that you actually you want to grow, you want to take forward with you? Um, so there's already a free resource available for coping and managing through this sort of difficult time. And we're sort of in the pipeline is developing a resource for for moving beyond it in a, in a healthy and sort of growing way, taking things with you that you've been pleased about and want to keep and want to develop more.
1: And part of our common mission is to inspire the next wave of practitioners. So those who would like to try it out, but it regardless of what their profession is or what their background is. So we offer monthly, um, calls online, which are free for everyone to join. And every time we've got a different topic. So it was, um, around the COVID-19 situation, obviously, but we're going to move beyond that based on how the situation changes.
0: Excellent. So hopefully, uh, that has been a helpful thing for people to listen to. Hopefully, people have got a bit of an idea now around what solution-focused, the solution-focused approach, is. Do you guys refer to it as solution-focused therapy, solution-focused practice? What What's the right terminology? I feel like I'm getting it wrong a lot. I <laughs> think, or there is a no right answer.
3: Well, I don't know that there are probably people in within the field that would talk very differently about how it should be defined in certain ways i think from from my standpoint i think it's a shared view but i'm sure you guys will correct me if not um i i certainly refer to it more solution focused practice right. and and knowing that that mm-hmm. can then be used in a lot of different areas
2: yeah it sounds a bit less clinical as well I'm glad you all agreed
0: with that. That would have been awkward if, yeah, if, uh, we, we, if, if we discovered d- on the podcast. I do like to disagree with Greg, but I, I won't on this occasion. Um, yeah, amazing. So, where can people find out more um, about us or about the approach? Where would you want to direct people to, or where, where, if people are instantly like, actually, I want to jump on this training straight away? Where, where would they go for all of that information?
2: Okay, so the easiest place to go is straight to our website, which is www.sfpossibilities.org. And I would just say that, you know, do jump in, give it a try. One of the best things about this approach is that it's it's really light touch and it's you can't really do damage with it because we're talking with people about their hopeful futures and their resources. We're not looking at sort of past difficulties or traumas or understanding causes. Um, so it's a great thing just to sort of dive into and start using Yeah, you know, give it some, some trial and error and see how you get on and of course we're always on the end of a, an email you can find our contact details on the website and we'd love to hear from you any questions you've got please get in touch
0: absolutely okay that's great I think there's lots more that we can uh, talk about over the coming months so it's exciting times Yay. and um, yeah so thanks guys for Having a chat, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time. See, see, you. see you next time. So, thank you once again for listening to our podcast. We would love it if you could subscribe or leave a review. It really helps with our visibility and getting our name out there a bit more and remember if you want to know more about us some of the training that we offer or some of the upcoming events then check us out at solutionfocuspossibilities.org